Amazon doesn't allow you to track conversions like when you got a sale from an outside traffic source. So it is a little bit harder and they don't allow you to do remarketing except for if you're a big seller and you're using their their tools. So Amazon, the only way we do that is like we drive traffic from videos out on social media about key products. We do like Facebook video view ads and we send them in, but we can't really track a measure. We can just see that if we turn that off, the sales go down and the social buzz goes down and that kind of stuff. This is Ezra Firestone from smartmarketer.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there, this is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to GetMeToDone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Welcome back. This is Ash Roy. I'm the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and the host of the Productive Insights podcast. And I'm delighted to have Greg Kassau back on the podcast from RainmakerPartner.io. Now, Greg recently was on the podcast and he talked about some high-level strategies around building a successful online business. And we talked through the various kinds of business models, starting with a local business where you're trading your time for money, and then a more services-based business where it's a little bit higher end. Then we talked about having an information product business a bit further up the line where you're not trading time for money as much and it's a bit more leveraged. And then we talked about Amazon and SaaS being at the top of that succession where you build something that is more of an asset and something that tends to generate income more on automatic. In this episode, Greg and I are going to dig a bit deeper into the tactical aspects of building an Amazon-based e-commerce business that will enable you to create a lifestyle that Greg currently enjoys, which means that he is free by 9am every morning from all his commitments that generate his income. And he's pretty much free to do whatever he wants to do with his time after that. So I'm sure all of us would like to establish that lifestyle. It isn't something that's going to happen overnight. I'm not going to lie to you. This is not one of these get rich quick schemes. It takes a long time to do it. It took Greg about 15 years. And I suspect it would take most of us around that long. That said, Greg has worked with some of the smartest people online, including people like Ryan Dice, Ezra Firestone, and many others, several of whom have been guests on this podcast. And so I'm delighted to have Greg back on once again from RainmakerPartner.io. Welcome back, Greg. 
Hey, thank you, Ash. That was a great uh, introduction. I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. Greg, I've known you for about five years, and it's really been a pleasure every time we've met. And so thank you for coming back on. So, Greg, let's talk a bit about how you have used online strategies and really leveraged your journey of 15 years to culminate in your epic success of $1 million in revenue in the last 12 months. Can you talk to us about that journey? And can you also yeah. bake in where you see yourself in two years' time? Yeah, gotcha. So I guess if you look at it, like, for example, the last that business you're talking about is I've got some amazing uh, partners in the physical products space. Uh, these are gentlemen based out of the US and they do a lot of the like product importing and then I focus a lot on the selling. Yeah, that story is we did do a million dollars in Amazon in the first 12 months. But if you look at like the last 12 months, it's like 2.3 mil or something to that effect. So it's just sort of wow. really, yeah, scaling, scaling exponentially and probably realistically only just getting started compared to where it's going to end up because you can literally hit a global you can hit a global marketplace i did importing you know like a couple of times of different products and things that i was going to sell myself but one of the things i figured out was i really wasn't really that great at it and if you make a mistake it kind of can be expensive you know you've got a container load of goods coming in from china or whatever and if there's a problem with it you might lose 30 grand and that kind of stuff and then through Often, you know, like masterminds and events, which is actually I met you at, at, through events as well. Yes. Events and masterminds are just amazing because you don't know really who you, you know, who you're going to meet there. Yes. And so through a mastermind, met a folk, met a guy who then introduced us to other people. And we met up with these business partners who were amazing at the product side and they were doing well in the physical products in brick and mortar retail, like Walmart, et cetera, but maybe weren't as strong online. And then we sort of had that conversation about, well, hang on, I'm not that really that good at designing products and importing them, and maybe you guys aren't as strong as us in selling them. What about if we hitched our wagons together? Right. It's like I think James Tremco talked about, like a catamaran-type model where we're both going in the same direction and we're connected. Yes. And it's really like that one plus one equals three. And so we started yeah. doing that, and really it just worked straight away. This company had amazing products, and then when you applied like a black belt level of skill to them, yeah, it really it really blew up. And we had a, we had an e-commerce store with uh, Shopify, which is, which is amazing, and we also had um, an authority blog, and we also had um, an Amazon presence. And really I talk about a multi-leg stool, and one of the things we mentioned in the last thing was you don't just want like one thing. You, you really – the worst number in business is one – and in a, in a physical product and an e-com uh, business, ultimately you really want a couple legs to that stool. So you really do want, and this is the thing I learned from Yaro Starak, which is you need something that's sticky, you know, something that people come back to. So that's like a big authority blog, you know, in that space. It's great to have your own e-commerce store, and I use Shopify as a, as a platform. And then, but 51% of the buyers are actually on Amazon.com if we talk about the US. So we were building out the Amazon. But after a while, you get to the point where we were doing so many things, but we couldn't be everywhere. And there's, we've got this saying of he or she who chases two rabbits catches none. Yes. And so we weren't really able to do a great job on the e-commerce store as well as the Amazon at the same time. And for every one sale on we were getting on the e-commerce store, we were getting, say, 20 on Amazon. So we decided, well, you know, like we need to – yes, we need to do the e-commerce store, but why don't we just park it for a while? It'll still make a few sales, but just not get that focused on it. Let's do a really good job on one thing. And then once we've smashed that out of the park, you know, what I call give it enough energy units, 
then and only then will we come back to the e-commerce store. And we're going to pick up the e-commerce store in, in July. So we really doubled down on on the Amazon in the, in the e-commerce space. And even though I'm an Aussie, we focused on the US first yeah. because the same marketing effort in a bigger market, when you get on a winner, it amplifies, right? So right. 10 times bigger market. So once you started getting on a winner, then, you know, that, that was really good. And then um, a whole bunch of things we did on, on that, but then we were able to clone that. Like I mentioned before, we could clone to Canada, we could clone to Mexico, we can clone to five countries in Europe. There's five marketplaces in Europe, and that allows you to hit like 39 countries across Europe, that kind of thing. We right. could clone to Japan, we could clone to Australia. And there's a couple others we haven't done yet, such as, you know, Brazil, China, and India, which are on the roadmap, but um, it's much easier to do English-speaking stuff if that's oh, what absolutely. you're... Yeah, and it's, so, it's also, you also got to be very cognizant of cultural issues. I was born and raised in India. And I can tell really? you that, you know, if you want to transact with India, very often, at least back when I was there, very often they would say yes, but it would really mean no. So you really need to understand the subtleties and the idiosyncrasies of that particular culture. And yes doesn't always mean yes. They often are just being polite and they just want to either end the conversation or they want to be agreeable, but they're not really going to necessarily deliver. So you need to be very aware of cultural nuances when you're dealing with completely different cultures. And the other part of that, I didn't know that about you, that you were born and raised in, in yeah, India. Yeah. So learn, learning something new every time, <laughs> that, that's great. The other thing we found was that we got translations done in this case on Fiverr, but they were or we called Chinglish. They kind of yes. looked right, but they were a mix of multiple languages and nothing really started selling because, yeah, if you lose the trust of the buyer, then they go, eh, something doesn't feel right here, I'll go elsewhere, you know what I mean? So we were doing that. And now, even though we rolled out like right across the globe within a year, we've actually got to come back to those non-English speaking ones now and say, okay, what have we got to do to get those site listings, you know, really, really done well, so it's proper by a native speaker, not just by someone who can do a bit of German, you know what I mean, or that, right. kind, of, that kind of thing. So. Exactly. And I've come across very similar challenges when it comes to even things like getting content written, because you may speak the Queen's English, but if you're not from that particular culture, you won't be able to speak conversationally. And often a lot of copy these days is written uh -huh. in a very conversational tone. Yeah, gotcha. That, that makes good sense. So, Greg, you've had a lot of success, clearly. In the last 12 months, you've gone to $2.3 million in annual revenue from $1 million in revenue in the prior 12 months. So you obviously got a fantastic trajectory going here. What is working for you right now? What products are you selling and where do you see yourself in two years' time? Yeah, so um, on the product side, the actual specifics don't matter as much. It's really about getting the right formula and recipe. So it really comes down to psychology and maths. So psychology is like, do they want it? And then the maths is, can I be profitable at that at that price point? You know, that kind of thing. And with they, do they want it? There's another part of it as well, which is, are they searching for it? Or can we target those people and put a message in front of them? So all marketing, it's very, very important. You know, either are they searching for it or can we target them? So if we look at the product side, we like we avoid anything that's big in size and yes. that's bulky because we don't want it to be like big to store, which is expensive. We don't want it to be big to ship, which is expensive or heavy to send. So we try and avoid those. We also really like we like that price point from twenty five dollars through to a hundred dollars. 
Yes. For more than 100 and they might have to get the permission from a hubby or the missus or whatever, you know, that kind of thing to buy it. Whereas, like, if it's $80 or $60 or whatever, then um, that could work well. But it's more of an impulse buy that way. Yeah, that's a great word for it. Yeah, I think so. And then less than that, so less than that $25, it might be hard to be profitable. You do see people selling stuff less than $25, but I think, it, you know, it is it is harder. Um, so we kind of like to look at that. And another thing is you know, most people talk about niches. You know, we really focus on mass markets. So because the same marketing effort, you know, gives you a better right. result yeah, um, yeah. When, you get, yeah, when you get on a winner. So that's kind of like what we do on the product side. You asked about like where do I see myself in two years' time. Yes. Much of the same, to be honest, because like I've mentioned before, I'm an overnight success, 15 years to uh, to get to here. I've now achieved that full internet lifestyle, the full freedom. So more of the same. On that entrepreneurial journey, definitely a focus on health and well-being, you know, peace, happiness, that kind of stuff. And definitely doing more in the e-commerce, Amazon, software as a service I'll probably still do a lot of uh, teaching and giving back. And now I don't really have a service as whatever to, to promote or anything to that effect, but just giving value. Right. You also talked about not selling very bulky products. And I think that's a great point. If I put my accounting hat on, which I do occasionally confess to being a CPA from time to time, the cost of goods sold would go up because your inventory costs go right up because storing yes. you know, large products does cost a lot. Now, I do know that there are other facilities, there are other options these days. You don't have to store your own inventory. But at some point, if the inventory is being stored somewhere, it is going to add to the cost of the product. So that is another good reason to sell smaller products that are easier to move, as it were. Okay, so how can business owners who are considering the e-commerce market look to get a start in the e-commerce market if they're just at the you know beginning of their journey? Okay, so in that regards, I think the first start always is education. Yes. So just geeking out as much as possible, learning about e-com, learning about Amazon, going to events. It all really is going to start with education so that you don't make expensive mistakes. If they're already a good marketer, they may be able to do like what I did, which was the win-win partnership, partner with someone who's already got a great brand, that kind of thing, and promote their products for them and then take a small slice of it. That works great. Or can learn the other side, which is, okay, this is a market I really want to serve. Here's a hole in the market or here's an opportunity I see in the market. This would really help people. They want it. So I'm going to either find one, for example, on alibaba.com and put my own yes. brand on it and then you know import it, that kind of stuff, and, and sell it as my own brand. Yeah, so really that's the two main ways. You're going to either import it or you're going to partner with someone else and sell their products. Me personally, I do this the partnering one just because I'm not as strong in that whole importing side. Hmm. And I've got reasonably good um, marketing skills. Back when I did my MBA, we used to call that core competency. So if you're yeah. particularly good at something and you have a competitive advantage over the rest of the market because you're so good at it, then it makes sense to focus in on that and partner with somebody else who's got a complementary core competency. So you might be good at importing and maybe procurement and you know acquisition of cheap products, and they might be good at supply and delivery so you have a marriage that is made in heaven yes. and the don't like using this mba term but the synergistic benefit actually does happen <laughs> in this rare instance check out the big brains on ash uh, <laughs> um, i know you were joking before about the accountant thing i thought you just 
when you're trying to meet ladies, you tell them you're a chartered accountant because they find that very interesting. Oh, please tell me more. No, actually, that's one. That's a great way to repel ladies because they think you have that's the personality right. of a lamp. Oh, you're being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even have a sense of humor. <laughs> when you, you are go to, <laughs> when you, exactly when you go and study accounting, they just beat it out of you. They just turn you in, into a lamppost. So there you go. Uh, my only redemption was that I went and actually did an MBA, which actually did infuse some personality into to me. <laughs> anyway, so coming back to talking about growing your business and doing so in the e-commerce space. Do you recommend revenue share deals? Yeah, definitely for me. Then that's what we've done with the the partnership. But you've got to have something that you can a value that you can add. So yes. you need, if you're going if you're going to be the the product person, you have to have a great product. If you're going to be the marketer, then you have to have a high level of skill. I think if you're an, a newbie marketer, it's okay to partner with a newbie importer, but it's not really fair for a newbie marketer to partner with a, an established brand or vice versa, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you kind of need to match up with people who you're on a similar similar skill level to, which is why I say, you know, you are your most important asset and yes. invest, yeah, investing yourself first. But win-win partnerships, revenue share deals is great so that you can, for example, they're already going along like this. And then as you add your input in as you scale them up you just take a small slice of of the growth and that's a very very fair model and very low risk for both parties so love that model but the interesting point you made and i think this is a very important one is you need to be able to bring enough value to the table for the relationship to be equitable because even if you pretend to be able to bring a lot of value if the value isn't there it's going to come undone very quickly so I agree with your point. If you're a beginning marketer, then partner with another beginning marketer, but be very clear about what you're going to bring to the table, what they're going to bring to the table. And importantly, when you do strike a revenue share deal, you need to have everything in writing. You need to have it very clearly articulated. I highly recommend getting it looked at by a lawyer. I know it's not cheap, but the point is, if you can't afford to get a lawyer to organize the revenue share deal, then maybe you don't want to be going into it just yet. I'm not saying handshake deals don't ever work, but I'm just saying that they can go south very quickly because it becomes a lot of you said, he said, she said, and it just ends up degenerating very quickly. So that's a word of caution with revenue share deals. You really need to be very clear about your structure and have it documented. Yeah, who's doing what? One of the things we, one clause we built into the bottom of our revenue share deals is saying like, so say for example, you and I were doing a deal, we lay out in plain English, this is what Ash is going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is the terms, you know, that kind of stuff. And then at the bottom, we had a clause saying, this is version 1.0 of this agreement. As the business matures, there will need to be future versions of the agreement. And so like on, I've got two main partnerships and on both of those, we've modified the agreement one or two times by having that in place. Otherwise it becomes this very rigid. Yes. Traditionally how contracts were always done. Hey, you signed up, you've got to deliver, you know, that kind of thing, as opposed to, the true win-win component of yeah. it. You know, marking the evolution, if you like, of the deal and acknowledging that this deal is version one and it's going to run for a certain period of time. But then when we reach the end of that time that we agree on that this version will be relevant for, then we revisit that agreement and then we go into version two, which brings up another important point. I think revenue share deals are best made with some kind of a time frame in mind because if you just have something that just goes into the indefinite future, well, it becomes a bit like how long's a piece of string. The 
Other thing I also think that's very important about a revenue share deal is very clear agreements on how you're going to exit the deal and conditions that will cause the deal to become null and void. For instance, if one of the partners decides to behave in ways that are unethical or that are not aligned with the values of the other, and I agree that you can't legislate around all this stuff 100%, but there has to be some kind of an out because if I go and start doing really dodgy stuff online, you may not want to be associated with me. You would need to have an out. And there has to be some agreement around that. The other one might be if I decide to sell my business, what happens to the deal? And, you know, do you get paid out? How does that get played out? So these are important things to consider. Absolutely. Spot on. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about holistic advertising. I talked to Ilana Wexler about this and she's an expert at it. She talked about using Google and Facebook holistically, again, to get the synergistic benefits of of the two platforms. I also spoke to Ezra in episode 55, Ezra Firestone, and he talked about Shopify and he's often on Shopify. He's used that platform with great success. So Can you share with us some strategies around how to use Shopify and Amazon and Google Shopping and all these platforms to your advantage? You know, do what do they bring to the table? Maybe Facebook will be like for hyper targeting. You know, how do we make all these things work together? Agreed. So, like, if you look at the Amazon side, Amazon doesn't allow you to track conversions like when you got a sale from an outside traffic source. So it is a little bit harder, and they don't allow you to do remarketing except for if you're a big seller and you're using their their tools. So Amazon, the only way we do that is like we drive traffic from videos out on social media about key products. We do like Facebook video view ads and we send them in, but we can't really track a measure. We can just see that if we turn that off, the sales go down and the social buzz goes down and that kind of stuff. So Amazon's a little bit more difficult, but with that holistic marketing type of approach that Alana talks about, and then I also advocate Google and Facebook are really are the two biggest sources of traffic and they, they do work well together. So you might be able to draw, generate awareness on Facebook right. and then people are searching for the brand and then you have a brand search turn up and people convert or if people hit the website but they don't buy, you could show them remarketing ads on Facebook as well as remarketing ads on Google, you know, that, that kind of thing. Often with e-commerce as well, one of the biggest channels we use is Google Shopping, which are those like kind of like image ads at the top, say you type in buy vacuum and it'll show, might show five vacuums across the top and it'll show the picture and the price and that kind of stuff. Those ads work amazing. That's a proper money machine, like where you put $1 in and it spits out four, six, you know, we've, our best one does $26, you know, for every dollar we put in that, you know, that kind of wow. thing. Yeah. So it's like in the, in the medical product space. Yeah. So that is a great spot to start, you know, Google Shopping, get that working. But then you might have remarketing via Google, but then add on remarketing via Facebook. And with both of these platforms in e-commerce, you can also do what's called dynamic remarketing, which means that as they're navigating around the web, you can show them a banner ad effectively, which shows them the products that they've been looking at and jogs them to, you know, to buy those again. It's just pulling them from a feed and it's remembering that Ash looked at this vacuum and that vacuum. And so when he goes off onto Facebook or when he goes off onto navigating around the web, show him a banner ad with our logo, might have a positioning statement and those two vacuums on it, if that makes sense. So it does. Um, that, that can be very, very powerful remarketing. Okay, now there's one thing I'm not clear about, though, because you mentioned Amazon doesn't really like advertising on the other platforms and they don't kind of promote it. So I think what you're saying is 
if someone sees my product on Amazon, then I can remarket to them or retarget them on Google or Facebook respectively. But then where am I sending them to after that? No, if you, sorry, I may not have been clear on that one. If they hit your site, if they hit your product on Amazon, you can't remarket them. Amazon does, as you as you become a bigger seller in Amazon, you get account managers and they do have premium services. You can remarket them back to your Amazon product listing. So they see you out on the web and you show them a banner that brings them back to your Amazon listing. Whereas like with the Shopify, you literally can, they hit your website, you can show them ads on Facebook and on and on Google. That's basically the way, the way that it works. Cool. Okay. So I've got a specific use case. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. One of my members is actually the founder of the dogline.com, I think, .au, and he sells dog collars. How would he be able to leverage these strategies to increase his profitability in a relatively short space of time? Yep. So you start with good product listings on both the e-commerce store and on Amazon. So because if you've got to focus on traffic first or conversion first, you always want to focus on conversion first, get the get a good listing happening. Some people will go to Google, so, you know, to search for dog collar. Other people will go to Amazon. So that's why you really want to have both of those, right. know, both of those there. Some people only buy on Amazon. So not having your brand there, they're going to means that they're going to find someone else, you know, that, that kind yes. of thing. Once you've got that, I would then add on things like Google Shopping is a, is a main one. You yeah. might want to test Google search ads as well. And then I would add that dynamic remarketing across Google and across Facebook. Um, and then within Amazon, I would also do this two or three main types of advertising that will put an ad up the top within the Amazon ads platform, which is very, very powerful as well. And all this really comes down to track and measure. Hey, so we mm. spent... 10 bucks, we brought in 30 or $40 worth of revenue. Yes, we're, you know, we're good. We're golden, you know, that, that kind of thing. But if we're selling $10 dog collars, then it may be, you, you know, psychology and maths, it might be hard to get the maths to work. So that can be an issue. Another really important thing when it comes to advertising on Amazon is having good quality photos, which yes. show the particular features that you're trying to highlight and talks to the benefits that you're trying to offer. Video also is important. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and how yeah. does one go about really getting good quality images and what are the do's and don'ts around that? Yeah, so we found that really, really does make a difference. Initially, when we got products up, we just had whatever images we had and got it live, you know what I mean? Because sometimes yeah. there's a lot to be said for just getting it out there and then yes. you know coming back and optimizing. And now we're optimizing a lot of things. So where we might organize professional photo shoot of the product as well as lifestyle shots, you know, the product being used, that kind of thing. And then often we'll send these images off to a graphic designer where they might write benefit statements on the image and that kind of stuff so that the image, it demonstrates it, but it also might have sales copy on there. So say, for example, it was a baby stroller. It might have an arrow pointing to the handle saying, you know, collapsible handle right. for easy backup and that. So you can make your images kind of tell a story as well, that kind of thing. We call those visual benefit images. Right. And then on the Amazon side, we're really on both. Rather than just having a text description for your product, building out what I call visual sales copy. Apple does this probably best in the business where it's got like an image, say, off to the right. You might have writing off to the left. And then in the next section, they might have an image on the left and then writing on the right, that left, right, and just big, beautiful sections so that because some people are very visual learners and they'll just look yes. at it and you know, skim their way through, you know, that kind of stuff. You can do that on your Shopify store and you can also do it 
on Amazon using topic called enhanced brand content. Now, using those images on Facebook would be a problem, wouldn't it? Because Facebook only allows you to have 20% of your image having written font on it. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. You can do more than that, but then they... Yeah, but then they slug you. That, that's, yeah, that's right. So you, you, pay, you pay more for it. Yeah, you're spot on. So you can't really use it as effectively on Facebook. You might have to do the remarketing on Google Shopping. I don't think there's any such restrictions yep. on Google, is there? Yeah, or on, on Facebook, on that channel, you may just not want to put the writing on those images, if that makes sense. So gotcha. just use yeah. it more on your product things and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that gotcha. could work well. Okay, so... Clearly, the holistic approach to advertising does work even in the e-commerce space, and it works well in the e-commerce space. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges you've seen people face when they're getting started with e-commerce and what works best to overcome them. And let's make it really quite general. So if somebody currently is a coach or a self-employed professional that is considering dabbling in the e-commerce space, what's the quickest way for them to just get started to see if it's something they want to do? Well, there is an option called dropshipping where um, you make a sale and then someone else sends it out for you, like whoever's got the product. That is a way to get started. I don't recommend it necessarily. Like it's harder to make the maths work and stuff, but researching dropshipping could be a great way to to learn very low cost because you don't have to buy stock yeah i did that to test a few markets it all really comes down to education so Hmm. if you can find someone and i would say like in some ways pick one or the other like so i'm going to get really good at shopify e-commerce or i'm going to get really good at amazon you know what i mean figure out whichever one you're going to do first and then invest in courses masterminds whatever go along and you really want to have a proven formula or system that you can model rather than trying to reinvent the wheel. I think that's the really is the the fastest track and also think about what markets you know well or that you know the needs of or the wants of that you can really fill the need of and then make sure that your product is like what we spoke about before, small and right price point, they want it, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of like the main things to think about, I think. You talked about psychology and mathematics being the two key things. Where can one go to learn about these things in a good quality course that you can recommend? So like we both spoke about our mutual friend, Ezra Firestone. I think, you know, what he teaches in e-com is very, very smart. I was in his mastermind for a year. That was awesome. And then on the Amazon side, the team at amazing.com, those guys, I don't know them personally, Mm -hmm. um, but I was a member there for, for quite a while. And they had the amazing selling machine, which was really the course that launched this whole Amazon selling industry. Um, I think those guys really know what they're doing and, yeah, becoming a member at amazing.com. Like I said, I'm not associated with them at all, but I think, yeah, both of those are two good, reputable sources of knowledge. Cool. So with Ezra, I know he does a lot of stuff on Shopify, but is it smartmarketer.com that he has this training on in terms of e-commerce? Yeah, I believe so. That sounds right. Okay, cool. Well, I'll link to both of those on the show notes. All right. So there's A ton of actions that our listeners can take from this conversation today. The biggest things I would say for me were to really get an understanding of the psychology of your market, to make sure the mathematics works before you put a product (laughs) on Amazon. You also want to make sure that if you're going to do a revenue share agreement with somebody, make sure they're at a similar level to you and that you can bring a lot of value and that they can bring a lot of value to the table. So one and one can equal three. I'm trying to avoid using the word synergy there. We also wanted to make sure that in a revenue share deal, there are very clear agreements around who will do what 
and when you can have versioning of your agreements so that you give yourself some room to evolve the agreement as time goes on you have some kind of time boxes or time frames around each of the versions you have an out clause if one partner in the revenue share agreement starts to you know behave in certain ways that are not acceptable and you try and document that to whatever extent possible if one person decides to sell their business there has to be some kind of an agreement around how that revenue share agreement is going to be played out is it going to be bought out and what's going to happen we talked about remarketing and being able to use other platforms like google shopping and facebook remarketing and so on and so forth to augment what you're doing on amazon we talked about some great places to learn about building your e-commerce knowledge and your e-commerce business it all starts with knowledge and that is getting an education at our friend Ezra Firestone's website smartmarketer.com or amazing.com which has some fairly good content is there anything else you'd like to add Greg no i think like when you get on a winner run your winners long and really cut your losers short if something's not working then be willing to say next and but figure out where you want to go and scramble like crazy and make it happen and like we spoke about before the ultimate prize is freedom so you know yes. what it's really worth it free after 9am i should make that the title of this episode free from 9am <laughs> yeah yeah but for the other one yeah for the last episode yeah so greg how do our listeners find out more about you okay cool uh, rainmakerpartner.io is a great resource with a whole bunch of free blog and then uh, advertisingboost.com i do a lot of teaching there in the members area that's a great resource for business owners who want a competitive advantage where you can give away free vacations and that kind of thing to just differentiate yourself, that software as a service is going like crazy. So that's advertisingboost.com? Yes. Okay, I'll link to that in the show notes. And rainmakerpartner.io, those are the two best places to get in contact with you. All right, well, yes. thanks so much for being on the show, Greg, and uh, look forward to bringing this to our audience. I think there's a ton of value you've packed in here. You've delivered as you always do. Excellent. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to spend uh, time with you and uh, to share knowledge as well. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 